Lord Jesus, we love you today and we want to thank you. As we've been singing, thank you for the cross. Lord, it is an emblem of suffering and shame. It is where you took our shame and suffered in our place. And Lord, as it is said by the Apostle Paul, we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Because that's where we are glorious, is when he became our sins so that we could become his righteousness. We're asking for your favor today, Lord, for your grace upon our lives. For healing for those that are sick. For deliverance for those that are sin bound. For the enlightening of the eyes of our understanding. That we might know the hope of our calling. And as we look into the word today, we just pray that you'll open the scripture to us. That it'll be as it was on the road to Emmaus. That you just start walking among us. And talking to us. And making yourself known and showing us, Lord, it's you. It's you. It was me. It was me that opened up the Red Sea. It was me that gave sight to the blind. It was me that sent Malachi 4. It's me that's called a bride in this last day. Lord, and you've called us to to a great communion with you. I ask, Lord, your blessings upon us now. As we look into the scripture, just speak to us, we pray. Take away any selfish ambition of our own, Lord. Any desires for building our own kingdom. Give us a real revelation, Lord, of the hope of our calling in this last day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to read from there this morning. Our scripture reading. Amen. Isn't it good to be together? Amen. Amen. And to worship the Lord with one another. What a privilege that is today. First John chapter 3, and we'll start from the first verse. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I think if we remember Wednesday night, I talked to I read you a scripture from the book of John. Where Jesus said, you are loved of the Father. And because you are loved of the Father, it won't be me standing here and pleading for you. But it'll be you speaking to him and your needs supplied. Amen. What manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. This is an expression of his great love. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We're not everything we're going to be yet. But we know that when, we, when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even 
as he is pure. So having this hope, the hope that he will appear and that we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. Amen. Then we purify ourselves. Amen. God bless you as you're seated this morning. Bless his word today as we've read it together. It's good to see each one of you that are here with us. Amen. Nice to see the Liddells. They hadn't been here in a service or two. Have them with us today all the way from Mississippi. and Also the McGowan's there. Um, you know, our brother David went home to be with the Lord. I guess it was last Sunday. And so they're going to have a memorial service for him over in Mississippi on next Saturday. So keep uh, that family in prayer. You know, it's a mother that's lost a... Uh, well, she didn't lose him. We know where he's at. But, you know, she lost being able to embrace him and hold him and, and speak to him and little children that are left behind, brothers and sisters, family. And uh, I, I'm sure, it, it, you know, all of that brings a, a little bit of a sadness in our hearts. Amen. When we see those kind of things uh, that happens to humanity. And it just shows us we don't know... Um, you know, what day the Lord will call us home. You say, well, uh, that was a tragic thing. Yeah, but you know, really accidents don't happen to Christians. Amen. I, I believe that God has a plan for our lives and he knows when we enter into life and he knows when it's time for us to go home. And, and it was home going time for our brother David. So may the Lord bless his family. Amen. And we see the Borlevins here today. God bless you. Nice to have you in service with us. They're also over um, because of a grandmother that passed away and I think 94 years old, long life here upon the earth. Amen. And what a, what a wonderful thing it is for God to give um, that uh, to people upon the earth. We appreciate the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Are you glad to be here in the house of the Lord today? Amen. I, I think it's really important when we come to the house of God that we come reverently and, and with um, as much respect as we know how to, to give and to bring uh, to the house of God. And, um, you know, that we lock in on a service and just really say, Lord, you know, speak to me. And don't let the enemy then, uh, you know, just cause me to get restless. And, and uh, you know, it's hard to preach to a church that is constantly moving in and out and, and um, is not attentive. And, um, you know, I understand sometimes uh, we get tired and weary or maybe um, nature calls or whatever. But I, I'm just going to remind you, this is a house of God. It's not an arena. And uh, we should... Um, we should do everything we can to receive something from God and to pray that the Lord will speak to us through the word. Amen. And uh, so, you know, I think when God speaks, that there's things that he's imparting to people. And we don't want to interrupt the flow of that anointing, not just upon the speaker, but upon the hearer as well. And so, you know, it'd be an awful thing to know that you allowed something to um, cause you to be a distraction to someone else. So, you know, let's be as reverent as we can in the house of God and, and be respectful. 
and uh, be in prayer and be attentive and respond to the Word of God. Amen. It was Hattie Wright saying, that's nothing but the truth. And that moved God on her behalf. And I believe that God can move on your behalf today by um, recognizing the Word of God is the truth and uh, letting God uh, speak to you and you responding back in a proper way. Today we're going to be speaking on the authority of sonship. And this is a thought that we want to present to you. Um, It's a little different here that we're trying to convey to a people in the end time um, that a message that God has sent in this last day. And of course, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't run with the flow of the denominations of the day. And Jesus' message did not run with the flow of the denominations of his days, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, all the different ones that uh, the sects of that day, and neither does God, his word, his message coincide with the sects of this day, of um, the religious sects, that, that uh, denomination. And, uh, but however, when, when we look at sonship and adoption, um, that is spoken about by many Christians today, the thought of our sonship to them is that we're not, we were not originally sons of God. But in receiving Christ as our Savior, we're, we're now sort of adopted into the family. But I just want to remind you that God's not going around adopting the devil's children. No, sir, God is actually birthing sons and daughters of God. And the adoption that is spoke of in the scripture oftentimes is referring to a person of age being placed into position and into place, into a place of authority. So um, in the Roman culture, for example, when Paul uses that um, uh, illustration, he's actually talking about a 30-year-old being adopted and placed into a position of power and authority. And, um, you know, we, we are living in a time where the church has come from seven church ages up to the end time. And in this end time process, we, we have come to where he is, he is maturing a church. There's going to be a people that would be married to the Lamb. You don't take a little girl three, four years old for a wife. She has to be of age. And God has waited until this time to bring forth the marriage of the lamb. To have a bride that he said would be without spot or wrinkle. And so, again, it's a church that has reached an age. In other words, she is, she's at a level of maturity. And it's a time now to place her into that role of authority where that she operates in the kingdom with authority instead of a slave or a servant or a child as the bible said a child would differ nothing from different nothing from a servant in other words um, they're actually under tutors and governors and uh, and and so therefore they they are in their heir 
potentially, but they're not inheriting yet. They're not at the age to hand over the keys to the kingdom. But I believe that God is bringing us to a place that um, God is handing a people in the last day his role and a rule of authority. Amen. Well, that they are operating in his name. Now, this thought of, you know, receiving um, someone else's, not your children, and making them that your child and, and, and a sort of adopting somebody of another family into there, it leads us to think that of our sonship that we did not originally belong to God, that he just, as I said, just kind of sort of adopted some other, someone else's children. Well, there's only two sources of children in the world, and that is the children of the kingdom and the children of the wicked one. Amen. Now, according to Jesus, this was done by two seed sowers. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 37, that he had told them the parable of the, of the two sowers that had sowed seed into the world. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. So we know the Son of Man, which is Christ, the Messiah. He's one who, also is plant, who sows good seed. And then he says, The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now, the enemy that sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is at the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels, and therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. So according to the scripture, that, the, that God has, has children, and the devil has children. Now, the devil cannot create, so how did he get children? The only way that he could do it is by perversion. Is that right? And so he perverted the word of God to Eve. And, and what happened? We brought forth the child of that wicked one. The Bible said Cain was of that wicked one. And, and of course then, then Adam also brought forth a child and it was Abel. Now of course now as we're seeing this. We, we see the, the picture of the world wants to paint to us is that everybody's children of God. We're all children of God. And, um, you know, the, the gay community wants to claim they're God's children just as much as anybody else. And so they too are loved by God and are to be loved by others and accepted just as they are. And so, you know, they are being demanded to, to be recognized as the children of God. So therefore, uh, forcing everyone to accept them in a sinful condition. Now, Jesus made it plain that all are not the children of God. The Pharisees who claimed to be God's sons were actually denounced and rejected by Jesus as children of the devil. If you will look with me to John chapter 8 and verse 41. He said you do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him we be not born of fornication. 
You know, we're, we're not of adultery. We, we, have a, we have one Father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came forth from God, and neither came I of myself, but he sent me. And he said, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. Amen. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And I tell you the truth, and you believe me not. So again, again, you, you see here from the words of Jesus, he recognized some of them that could not hear his word to be of, a, of, another, of another source. You didn't come from me. You didn't come from God. Amen? So our right of sonship, now, now I want to bring this down to you again as we, as we focus in a little more, our right of sonship to God does not come through Adam. Let me say that again. Our right of sonship to God does not come through Adam. Now, you see, we, Adam sold us to sin. And we were born by our first birth into sin. And our right of sonship is not because we can trace ourselves back to Adam. Are you with me? Now, hold that thought. In our first birth, we were born dead. The seed was there by predestination, but it was not alive. Within you was a seed gene of God, but it was not alive. You, you didn't bo- was not born with this dominating or directing or leading your life. You were born there under sin nature. Amen. And so in our first birth, we were born dead. And we walked in sin because of this. We walked in sin just like others walked in sin. I'd like you to turn with me to Ephesians 2 and 1. And the Bible said, and you hath he quickened. Now that word means he made alive. He hath made you alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now this is a condition you were born in. In your first birth. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom we also had our conversation. That don't mean a talk, that means the way we live. This is how we lived in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as other. So this is the way we were born in our first birth. We were born with sinful nature having rule over us. Amen. Because we were sold into sin and the slavery by our first parents, Adam and Eve. And so Satan had rule over us to start with. Amen. Even though we may have potentially been sons and daughters of God, we didn't know it yet. Amen. That can only come by revelation from God. Amen. Where he reveals to you that you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. 
And that's the new birth. So now notice, and then he says, but God, oh, I'm glad that there is an answer to this. But God, who is rich in mercy. This is the way that we were. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he hath loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this is what he did for you. Amen. That he come with mercy and, and grace and he found every child of his. Listen, he's not going to lose a one of his. Jesus said, all that the Father hath given me will come. Amen. Now, the only way we can come to life is by a new birth. Otherwise, if our first birth could birth us into sonship, a new birth would be unnecessary. Amen. A lot of, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, they all had the Holy Ghost even before Jesus came. Well, if, if that's so, then it would have done no good for Jesus to come. Amen. It was in vain for him to come. But man could be anointed by the Spirit and thus, and thus in that term filled with the Spirit. But the only way that you can be indwelt by the Spirit is through the death of the, on the cross and the atonement of, of for sin because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. Amen. But once that the blood had done its atoning work, amen, then God can come and dwell in the human vessel. And then you become a son of God. Then you become a daughter of God. Or shall I say more properly, then you become recognized as a son or daughter of God. Amen. Now, so I want to look here in John chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible said, and as many as received him. To th- oh my. As many as received him, I want you to get that thought. As many as the indwelling spirit came in. That's how you receive him. Receiving him is not a profession of faith. Receiving him is not saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. Receiving him is not saying, yeah, I believe he died on the cross. Receiving him is when the indwelling spirit comes to dwell on the inside of you. Amen. Where God, deity, comes to to quicken the seed germ of life inside of you and causes it to spring forth and be quickened, brought to life. And as many as received him, to them he he gave the power or the authority to become sons of God, even them that believe on his name. So you see, when you receive him, then you receive the authority of sonship. You received an authority to, to be a son of God, a daughter of God. Amen. Now, again, I want you to look. This is very key in the very next verse, chapter, uh, verse 13. And don't go to sleep on me. Don't go to sleep on me. Don't think you know everything. I want you to get rid of that Laodicean spirit right now. Just tell it to get out of here. Amen. You key on this like you had never heard this before. I've been told you to be reverent. Amen. Amen. I don't nobody zoning out on me. You pay attention. All right. Now, again, 
verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So everyone that are born again was not born of blood, amen, nor the will of the flesh, by sex desire, come on, but nor the will of man, but of the will of God. Now I'm talking about people this morning that are actually born by the will of God. Amen. You have been quickened, made alive, predestined, set apart for this generation. Are you with me now? Amen. By the will of God. Called by the will of God. Made known by the will of God. God willed to have a son. God willed to have a daughter. Amen. God willed to have men and women in the Laodicean age who would stand for Jesus Christ as a son of God who would represent him in his body. That's what God did. God willed. Amen. Now, so your flesh was born of flesh. But when you're born of God, you're born of spirit. Amen. Now, uh, John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus, Jesus gives his first doctrine that he gives to the church. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So when you're born by the Spirit, amen, that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. So you're a Spirit-born Son of God. Amen. Living in a body that used to serve sin. That hands that used to work for the devil. Your members, your eyes, your thoughts, your, your, your body, your feet. All everything used to be members of unrighteousness, but not anymore. Once that life of God came into you and quickened that germ of life on the inside of you, now these hands that was once in Satan's kingdom no longer works for Satan. These eyes that used to be used in Satan's kingdom no longer belongs to Satan's kingdom. You are of another kingdom. You are dominated by another spirit. Your eyes are controlled. Your hands are controlled. Your feet are controlled. Your thoughts are controlled. And you can bring your body subject to the word of God. Amen. That which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. We're born of God. You got the Holy Ghost today? You're born of God. That's, how you're, that's why then you're an offspring. And if you're an offspring, you're a son. Amen. You say, Brother Tim, well, I, I, I live in this body here that, that, that used to serve sin. That's right, but not no longer. It never did belong to the devil. Amen. This body does not belong to the devil. It never was ever, listen, let me just go back for a minute. This body came from the earth. And when God created the earth, he laid out the timbers of your body. 
everything, the, the elements that would be made needed to make your body. It never belonged to the devil. Amen. The, the Satan did not make it. Come on. It is not his body. I'm trying to bring it down to you to this morning that you, not one bit of yourself, belongs to the devil. Amen. He has no right to you. He has no right to your mind. He has no right to your spirit. He has no right to your flesh. He has no right at all to you. You are a son, a blood wash, blood bought, son or daughter of the living God, called, ordained, predestinated to be an overcomer, to be victorious in this hour, in this time, in this generation. You're born of God. Now, I'm going to read an excerpt from the church age book. Now then, we're coming to a conclusion as the eternal Logos. God was manifest in the Son. And it's Jesus dwelt, in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that eternal one was the Father manifest in the flesh. And thereby gained the title of Son. Even so, we, eternal in his thoughts... And in our turn became the many multi-membered spoken word seed manifest in the flesh. And those eternal thoughts now manifested in flesh are the sons of God even as we are so called. And we did not become seed by the rebirth. Amen. Come on now. Amen. We did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed and therefore were reborn for only the elect can be reborn. You say, Brother Tim, how do I know I'm seed this morning? Well, if you've been born again, that's good enough. It tells you you came from God and you're going back to God. Amen. We were seed and therefore were reborn for only the elect can be reborn. Because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened. In non-seed there is nothing to quicken. Amen. Get that back again. In non-seed there's nothing to quicken. Amen. Because you were seed you could be quickened. Amen. What made you different from all of the thousands walking in the world, the millions that, that are lost out in humanity today? What made a difference is because you were seed. Amen. The seed sower, the son of man. Amen. He had a seed. Amen. And he planned you to come in this time, in this hour. And he knew the very moment for his light to shine down upon you and the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost to come and overshadow you. Amen. And that holy thing that was born in you was of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to men and women this morning that are deity. Sons of God. Come on, what is a son of God? Dogs give dogs, births to dogs, cats to cats, chickens to chickens. Amen. God gives birth to gods. Gods have dominion. God births you into a life of dominion. 
Amen. To take dominion. Now, you see, redeem means to buy back. Oh, we sing the song, I'm redeemed. But you don't redeem something that wasn't yours. Amen. Redeem means to buy back. To get back. To get back what you lost. Amen. How many remembers the little story I tell sometimes about the sailboat? Amen. Let me tell you, tell it again for the sake of those that that didn't respond. Amen. Got to catch you somewhere. But do you remember there was a little boy, you know, that that made made himself a, a sailboat. Worked many hours on it. It was his heart. It was his delight. And and he got it in completion, started going out down to the lake somewhere and, and putting it out on the water. Oh, he had many a fun day of sailing that little sailboat. But one day a big wind come along and blowed that sailboat way out of his reach. And he watched it as it went way out of sight. And his sailboat was now gone. Every day he goes along this, the, the shore of the lake looking, did it wash up today? Maybe today I'll find it. Maybe, maybe tomorrow I, I've got to find it. It's there, you know. Oh, I enjoyed that sailboat. I put many hours in it. It was my, my masterpiece and I lost it. He goes and looks. He can't find it. One day he happens to be in town and he walks by a pawn shop. And in the window, there was his sailboat. Oh, my sailboat. And he looks at it and he says, oh, but man, there's a big price on that thing. Man, they thought it was worth something and they put money on this thing. And I don't have that kind of money. So what he did is he went home and he had a garage sale. He sold his bicycle and he sold his his toys, and he sold, you know, everything and some clothes and whatever until he finally got the purchase price. And then he goes back to the pawn shop with the purchase price. And he pays or redeems the pawn, out of the pawn shop, amen, the sailboat that he lost. And so he, he takes that sailboat and he clutches it to his heart and he's heard as he walks out of the pawn shop, little soul of sailboat, you are mine. You are mine twice. You were mine when I made you, and you're mine now when I bought you. Amen. I want you to get the thought this morning, you've always been his. Even though sin blew you away from him, he left all of glory, paid the ultimate price, and because you were a value to him, and he brought you back to himself. And he says to you, you are mine twice. You were mine when I, when I made you in my thoughts before the world ever began. And I planned for you, but sin blew you away from me. But I come back to redeem you. What did he do? He came to redeem that which was lost. That's what Jesus said. The son of man comes to seek and save that which is 
was lost. Now, so the shed blood bought back his own. Let me just get something clear to you. He didn't come to redeem the devil's children. Read the Bible. They're gathered together and burned. Well, you know, like my accountant said one time, I just don't believe, Brother Pruitt, that a loving father would send his children to burn in hell. I said, I don't either. He said, you don't? I said, no. I said, there won't be a one of his children in hell. He's not going to come and burn his own kids. Amen. No, he, he come to redeem them. He left all of heaven for that redemption purpose. And he ain't going to lose one of them. And he'll even make us wait in this last day on that last name that's in the Lamb's book of life. And he won't take us home until that one is dipped in blood. This is a God who doesn't give up. He's not a quitter. And especially when it comes to his kids. Let me finish this quotation. He bought back the spoken word seed bride. My sheep hear my voice, word, and follow me. You were always a sheep. You never were a pig or dog turned to a sheep. That's impossible for every kind of life produces the same kind and there's no change in species. As we were in the thoughts of God and then expressed in flesh, there had to come a day when we would hear his voice, the word, and hearing that voice became aware of our Father calling us and recognized that we are the sons of God. We heard his voice and we cried out to him as did the prodigal son, Save me, oh my Father, I am returning to thee. Amen. Now I like this next sentence. A son of God can go a long time before he recognizes he's a son. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, you might long for it and look for it and make tries and attempts. You know, you come to church and you try to be good and you try to do right and you get discouraged and back out you go and, and on and on and on. You can go a long time. But then at that moment... In that moment, oh, Brother James, happened for you a few weeks ago. In that moment, amen, you found what you were looking for. Actually, he found you. He was looking for you all the time, and he found you. Called your name and revealed, you're my son. A Christian, or son of God, rather, can go a long time before he recognizes he's a son. I remember when Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time, he said one of them was past 90 when he led her to Christ. Amen. In fact, a lot of true Christians are like the story of the baby eagle that was hatched out under a hen. You know, the eagle is a type of the true believer. 
And when a farmer took an egg from under an eagle's nest and he placed it under a hen, in due time all the eggs were under the hen hatched out. And the baby chicks got along fine with the mother hen, but that little eagle could not figure out the clucking and the scratching for food in the manure pile. He managed to make a living but was pretty confused about it all. But one day, from way up in the air, the mother eagle that had laid the egg spied that little eagle on the ground. She swooped down with tremendous speed and screamed at the top of her voice for him to fly up to meet her. He had never heard an eagle cry, but when he heard that first scream, something in him stirred, and he longed to launch out in it, but he was afraid to try. Again, that mother screamed for him to rise in the wind and follow her. He screamed back that he was afraid. Once more, she called out for him to try, and beating his wings, he hurled himself in the air, and answering the cry of his mother, he soared off into the blue skies. You see, he always was an eagle. He acted like a chicken for a while, but he just couldn't be satisfied. Amen. But when he heard the call of the great eagle, he came to his own place. And once a true son of God hears the cry of the spirit by the word, he too will realize who he is and run to that great prophet eagle and be with him forever seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let's just turn here to Scripture. Let's go to Galatians 4 and 4. Galatians 4 and 4. But when the fullness of time was come, you know, there's a season for things. If Christians could only realize that. It ain't what you press and pull and shove. There's a season. Some of us can look around just for a moment and we can think, Brother Tim, you just, you just preached, you just started and finished 48 years of ministry. Starting out just a little 15-year-old boy preacher. Some of these things you're preaching today, you preach for many, many years. But I'm not discouraged. Because there is a season. Amen. There is a season. There was a season for you to come to Christ. There was that moment, that time, that predestined moment. There is a season for things to to actually start happening in the bride of Christ. Amen. To see him start manifesting. I'm not giving up on a promise. I'm just going to say, God did not do the things in this generation and and vindicate his word so perfectly and show his signs and wonders just for him to disappear back into the heavens and forget it all. Amen. No, sir, there is a season. And I believe that we're coming into a fullness of time. We're running out of time. Amen, we're coming, the bride herself has become the word and and she's been been laying in the presence of that son. Amen, and it's the fullness of the time. But when the fullness of the time was come, 
God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. So you see, there was a time, a place, a moment, a time for this fulfillment. Now notice, to redeem them which were under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, come on now, get the scripture. Because you are a son, Amen. Then what? God sent forth the spirit of his son, that's the Holy Ghost, into your hearts that made you recognize God was your father. He was the source of your life. Amen. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what happens when the Holy Ghost in you, you realize, I do not belong to the devil. He has no more claim on my life. He has no more right to pull me around and shove my nerves this way and, and make me this way and that way. And I, I've, been, I've been unsteady all my life. The devil has no right to do this to me any longer. I am a son. And because I was a son, God sent his spirit into my heart. Amen. That proves my sonship. Hallelujah, that I am a son of God. And it makes me recognize God is my father. Do you know what it means to recognize God is your father? It means everything the father has is yours. Come on. Amen. You, you see, everything that he has, all that, that he has, all that heaven has, belongs to you. Amen. Amen. And when he sends the Spirit into your heart and you cry back, well, this word Abba is, is, actually, uh, is actually a Greek word for father. It means daddy, daddy. You say, oh God, this is where I come from. This is who I am. I never was that chicken they tried to make me out to be. That pig or, or that dirty life. That prostitute or that whoremonger or, or that drunkard or that drug head or, or that egotistic maniac. I'm not that. I came from God. And because I belong to God, I'm his son. And as a son, I have authority. I have a dominion. Everything Father owns is mine. Hallelujah. Wherefore, get this next part. You are no more a servant. You're not a slave. You're not a slave. You're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God. I'm I'm talking to people this morning that heirs and joint heirs. You're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that was his is yours. Is that a joint heir? Everything that is his is yours. Every promise that you see him manifest is yours. Every word in the Bible that he spoke is yours. Everything that he received for himself is yours. Are you with me? All right. Now, so there it is. Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He accomplished redemption, restoring the origin, to the original owner by means of purchase. 
or paying the price and therefore placed us as sons. He did not make us sons, for we were already his sons, but he placed us as sons. For as long as we were in the world, we were held captive by the devil, but we were sons nevertheless. And hear this, and because you were sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, whereby you cry, Father, Father. So who did the spirit fall upon at Pentecost? Sons. What about Corinth? Sons. As they heard the word, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And the Holy Spirit is going to fall upon sons. Amen. And everyone that he falls upon and comes to him dwell, they recognize him as father. And when they recognize him as him as father, then they recognize himself as theirs. Now then every promise in this Bible is not any longer for another generation. It's for me. It's my father's word to me. So then every promise in the book is mine. The full inheritance as a son. So if I need healing, it's there. If I need salvation, it's there. If I need deliverance, it's there. Whatever I need, it's there in the inheritance. It's for me to receive. Now, I want to get back to your thoughts. That means every sin that you committed before your new birth has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That means you've got a clean slate. That means you don't have a past. Not a past of sin. You got a past because you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Come on. Amen. Now, I want you to get it. He did not hide your sins. You know, he, he wasn't like a, um, you know, a, a, a clever lawyer who knows the, the accusations on you and knows you did it, but he hides the evidence. No. He didn't do that. He actually knew everything you did and he paid the debt of it so that you don't owe it anymore so that you're no longer a servant but you're a son hallelujah amen now in fact of the matter is he annihilated your sin he dipped it in the bleach of his own blood until it, it changed through the process of, of the chemical of his blood. Until it goes back and lays back on the accuser himself. This is why he that the son is set free is indeed free. Amen. He said, well, I've been pardoned. Yeah, you've been pardoned, but you know, you can pardon a person that done a heinous crime and pardon him and let him go and where he don't suffer the penalty. God didn't just pardon you. 
He took your sins and he annihilated them. He changed them so far back till they're not even they're not even recognizable anymore. They're back on the accuser himself. So therefore there is therefore now no condemnation to them who 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 are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ this morning? Then there's no more condemnation. You'll never come into judgment. You pass from death unto life. Hallelujah. Amen. God does not condemn you. And you're not coming as a worthless man with sin on your hands. You're coming boldly to the throne of grace as a son. Amen. Approaching Father. Amen. You know, back here in this new building, you know, we have... We have some keypad codes. Well, you know, Timothy, Timothy was homesick here a few weeks ago. And there was a little red-headed girl about this tall. And somehow or another, she had it all figured out. That's my daddy's office. And in there is my daddy's candy. She didn't ask anybody. She walked boldly (laughs) through every locked door and went right into the room and helped herself to candy. That's right, Katie. Stand up right there. That's her. (laughs) What was she doing? She was using her privilege of being a daughter of her father. Amen. Now, you know, there was... After a while, there was a friend that come in with her. Because Katie wanted to share the blessing. So she brings a little friend right to all the doors, right to that same candy jar. Because that's my daddy's office and my daddy's candy. And I'm going to share what belongs to my daddy. What was it? She was exercising her right as a daughter of my son. Amen. Now, you've got a right. Now, listen to me. You've got a right of sonship to go boldly before the throne of grace. And even if you know somebody that don't belong there, you can take them by the hand and say, God, here's my friend. Here's this one in need. I bring them to you, God. Amen, because I know there are provisions made in this throne room for me and my house, for me and that family. And because I am a daughter, a son of God, I am going to dispense to them the need they have in their life. But it's just simply recognize. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Amen. Now, here again, they manufactured a, a substance called bleach. It's Clorox. Several different names that they have for it. But when the ink 
drops into the tub of bleach. The power in the bleach is so great, it changes every color, every part of that. First thing you know, if you've ever done it, you just see it go down, and first thing you know, it drops, and before it gets to the bottom, there's just a little wisp there, and it fades out into nothingness. You don't see any fumes, you don't see nothing else, it's just changed. And that's what the blood of Jesus does to sin. I'm trying to get something to you. Amen. That a man or woman that's dipped in the blood of Jesus Christ, it kills all symptoms. And every molecule of sin goes back to the devil and lay hold on him to the, and lays on him to the day of judgment where his eternal destination is thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. Oh, but what happens to the son? That's what happens to the sin. That's what happens to the devil. But what happens to the son? It puts him in position. Hallelujah. A blameless, sinless son of God with a right, amen, to every divine promise with nothing between my soul and the Savior. Amen. That I can go and ask now what I will on the authority of sonship. Now, what was it? Moses could realize this under the blood of bulls and goats, which, which cannot, could not even take away sin. But just by faith in the word of God under that blood, the creative word of God was spoke by the lips of that mortal man. Here come flies, here come frogs, here comes, uh, you know, nature obeys him. Come on. Amen. Amen. Now, so you see again, as Brother Branham said, what is the matter with the church then? If the blood has done this, he said, in my opinion, we're not coming with that sincerity uh, to the right thing for that. If God could do that by the blood of bulls and goats and, and that only covered sin made a perpetuation for the sinner, but the sin was still there, only covered over, what can he do through the blood of his son that omits sin? Amen. Amen. So Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you say to this mountain, move and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you said will come to pass. Amen. You can have what you said. Amen. Now, so where is the church at today? Amen. We, we, you've got to realize that truly confessed sin omits sins. And there's not even a chasm between you and God. No remembrance whatsoever. Amen. And that, that puts you on the same basis that Adam was before the fall. Amen. 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 Where Adam there could speak and it obeyed him. Exactly right. And if God didn't take that and puts his own genuine life of the Holy Ghost inside of a man by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then what's wrong with us today? Yeah. Amen. We're not realizing our authority of sonship. Amen. We're not doing just the simple thing that Katie was doing, realizing I'm a daughter. And so I know the past. And because I know the past, 
I can get in. And when I get in, I know the reward. Amen. You say, well, what is the past, Brother Tim? It's faith in his name. And you know the faith in his name will use that and go in and get what you need. Ask what you will and it shall be given to you. Amen. Now, I'm just going to say some things right here for a minute. This may burn just a little bit, but you know, I'll tell you some things that are wrong in the church today. There's an evil spirit that rose up in the message community that wants to put all the power of God back 50 years ago and say there can't be any more, that, you know, that was back then and we can't have nothing until, until the prophet comes back. You know, you show me where that's scriptural. Amen. So, well, it was, it was only to be to one man and one man. Now tell me where that's right. Amen. They sure, there was, we, we have a one man message in that there was an Elijah ministry in this day. Are you with me? Amen. And one man scriptures that was fulfilled, but that's not all the word of God. In fact, the matter is you're missing a big part of it. Amen. Sure, Elijah came, but what about Elisha? There was a double portion came back upon Elisha. Come on, church. If there's been an Elijah in this day, there's got to be an Elisha somewhere. There's got to be some people that believe. Come on, church. Amen. They've got to come out and walk under that same anointing. Amen. And, 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 and realize that that word was, the word was left to us. It is our word. It's our message. Jesus said it was forever believer. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. Now, I just want to just say, don't you think for a minute that that stopped with William Brown. That's not a... That's not a teaching of the Bible that is stopped with Brother Branham. That's a teaching of an ugly deity spirit that wants to deify William Branham. Are you with me? So why would we want to take a false conception when the skies are full of genuine Pentecostal power that makes a man or a woman a son or daughter of God that takes him back into the presence of God? Amen. Listen, church. You've got to get away from your own thoughts, from your own mind, and let the mind that was in Christ be in you and stay there until every sin of fear is gone. Amen. And every doubt is gone from your heart. And then say to that mountain, Amen. If you're there and it don't remit your sins, then there's something wrong somewhere. You're not standing there. You stand, now listen. You stand a born-again son or daughter of God with the life of God in you to speak a word of creation. Let this mountain be moved. Now, let me, just, let me just go to what Jesus said about sons. Because I, I just want to get, I, let, let's understand something. You know, William Branham was our brother. He was not our father. Amen. He was a brother. He was a brother in Christ. He was a part of the body. He was not separate from the body. Are you with me? 
Let, let, let's go back to the days of Moses for a moment. When Moses got Ten Commandments, Israel got Ten Commandments. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't for Moses. Moses was a part of the body. Amen. The body. Israel got Ten Commandments. And Moses just received them for them. Is that right? He was a part of the body. They were not for Moses alone. They were for the church. In fact, the matter is, it wasn't Moses getting married to God there on that mountain. It was Israel getting married to God on that mountain. And this was their covenant. And when we come back to that, I just say, it wasn't William Branham receiving a message. It was the bride receiving a message. In fact, it was our marriage covenant. It was to unite us with the bridegroom. Now, let's see what Jesus said about sons. Let's see what his attitude was. Here was the attitude of Jesus. John 14, 12. He goes with an affirmation. It's a double affirmation. If we call it verily, verily. It's absolutely, absolutely, it's a double affirmation. It is an oath that he's taking. Some of you don't like this, but he was swearing to you. He was given an affirmation on himself, not on the temple. Come on, but on himself. Because what he says, absolutely, absolutely, I say unto you. So he's making the affirmation. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. So Jesus wasn't afraid of us doing his works, was he? He wasn't thinking, oh, I don't want a bunch of copycats. Oh, it'll take away from me if they do what I do. No, he didn't say that. He said, this is what I say. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Then he goes on to say, and not only will they do do the works, but he said, and greater than these shall he do, because I'm going to my father. Now, what did that mean? It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be, you know, one man and one ministry and one prayer line. But it would be a multi-membered body. Come on. A multi-membered body, God working in his people. Come on, church. Amen. So it would be greater works, more works. Amen. Because now it would be done around the world. Now watch. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is going to bring glory to the Son by asking in my name. Actually, this is not taking away my glory. This is bringing me glory. Where in the world can we get over this mentality? Around the message today that if we do the works that William Branham did, well then, we're taken away from him. We're not taken away from him. That is the biggest detriment that there is. That there would be a bunch of unbelief in the church that follows his message. 
Amen. If we really believe the message of God, then we're going to see the signs follow them that believe. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I love these words. Matthew 21, 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, and you shall, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but if you say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things are and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believe and you shall receive. Amen. Now these are the words of Jesus. This is, this is how he empowered his church. He expected them to do what he did. He expected them to recognize their place of sonship. Amen. Jesus said unto them, Matthew 17, 20, because of your unbelief, because for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Matthew 18, 18, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. Mark eleven twenty three. Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, he, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. Verse 24 said, Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe, you receive them, and you shall have them. Amen. Amen. Luke 11, 9. And I say unto you, ask. Now wait a minute. We are to ask. Ask and it shall be given to you. And seek, and you're going to find it. And if you knock, it'll be open to you. Come on, church. Where is the persistence in the church? To knock and keep on knocking. To seek and keep on seeking. To ask and keep on asking. Amen. Jesus told us we, he must find the faith that will never give up. And he uses a woman and the unjust judge to give the example. I must find this kind of faith. Faith that will not quit. And I'm going to tell you, church, it's going to have to be that kind of faith in this generation. Faith that won't give up. Faith that is persistent. Faith that asks and keeps on asking. Knocks and keeps on knocking. Seeks and keeps on seeking. Until, and what what did he say is going to happen to those people? Verse 10, for everyone that asketh, does what? Receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. These are the words of Jesus. 
Now how can he go back on his words? He comes down to Luke 17, 6. The Lord said, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this sacrament tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey me. Now, share with you a little quotation from Brother Branham. This is as I was with Moses. He talks about Joshua. Now, Joshua, remember, has not left the gifts of Moses. You don't ever see him going out there and grabbing the rod of Moses and doing a work with it. You don't see him taking his hand into his bosom and pulling it out and saying, okay, let me, this shows you, you know, God's with us. Right? You don't see Joshua doing that. What, what was Joshua done? What was he given? I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to try about verse 3. I don't have this in my notations, but I, I just want to get you. Um, go, go back one verse. All right. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even unto the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. Anything you place your foot on. Any promise you claim as your own. That I've given to you. As I said unto Moses. Now brother we got more than Moses as a witness. We got words of Jesus. Words of Paul. Words of Peter. Come on. We got words from the Old and New Testament. Amen. We got everyone. We got more than what he said to Moses. To go on. We got the entire scripture. And all seven church ages. To go on. Somebody help me. And he is saying here, this is your word this morning. Everywhere that you put your foot, everything you ever promise you claim is your own, I've given it to you. Amen. Now, if God gave it to you, then what right does any devil have to take it away? If he gave you your children, what right does the devil have of taking your children? If he took away your if he took away your health, what right does the devil have of taking away your health? If he took away the power of the Holy Ghost from the church, then what right does the devil have of stripping the church of the power? We, as a children of God, have to put our foot on the promise. And then he gives a description. Even from the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, the, the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Now let me bring it down. Everything from Genesis down to Revelation. Any promise spoke of the bride is yours. Anything that was foreshadowed in the church ages, Luther's justification, Wesley's sanctification, Pentecostal's gifts of the Spirit, all of them are yours. Here's a, here's a definition of your borders. This is what belongs to you as sons. Amen. Now watch now. Thou, there shall not 
any man, listen to this, there's no man, no spirit, no enemy, be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, and now we're going back and say as I was with Jesus, and Jeremiah, and Isaiah, and the three Hebrew children, and Daniel in the lion's den, or whatever, the, whatever it is, come on. Amen. As I was with them, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Hallelujah. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake you. This is the word to you this morning. Hallelujah. Be strong. Oh, hallelujah. It's time for some Holy Ghost boldness to stand up in some in the church. Amen. Come on. Amen. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall I divide for inheritance every word of God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dish it out. Amen. I'm gonna give it to you. Come on, if you need the seals at Jericho, I'm gonna open the seals. And if I open up the seals, I'm gonna open up every other promise. Glory to God, there is nothing gonna stand before you all the days of your life. You are people predestined for an hour, for a day, for a time. This is the season. Be strong and of good courage for of this people thou shalt divide for inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers. I swore it through Jesus. Didn't I read you an affirmation from God? Come on. Amen. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Amen. Oh, now, I swear to their fathers to give them, watch now, only, this is what I want you to do, only, only, only be strong and be very courageous. Amen. That thou may observe to do all the law that, my Mo, that Moses, my servant, commanded thee and turn not to the right hand or to the left that thou might prosper whithersoever thou goest. So what is God saying here? He said, you stay with the word. Don't go to the right, don't go to the left. Stay with that word and you're gonna prosper. When you're in sickness, stay with the word and you're gonna prosper. Amen. If you're in need this morning, stay with the word and you're going to prosper. Amen. This book of the law, this word shall not depart out of thy, what now? Mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Now you know, Brother Branham, when he received the commission of the angel. He actually meditated in the word. He went back to the Bible and the, and, and the disciples and to Paul and all of them. And he studied their life. And what they did to devils. He determined to do the same. 
Come on. I think there's some people need to get in the book. Amen. And whatever Jesus did, you determine that's what I'm going to do. Amen. Whatever the book of Acts did, that's what we're going to do. Oh, now don't get bogged down on this book of Acts and say, well, you know, it's all about, you know, the fussing and the fighting and the quarreling. That is not the part we're going to inherit. When Brother Bradham talked about writing another book of Acts, he wasn't talking about writing a bunch of fussing and fighting and argument and debates and, and, and troubles and persecutions and all that. That is not our part. Our part is to perform the acts of the Holy Spirit, not the acts of filthy, sinful, carnal men. Don't get mixed up on that. Man, because sometimes we talk about the book of Acts and we want a book of Acts church and, and, then, and then you go to look in there and there's fighting and quarrels and fussing and arguments and debates and, 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 and uh, division and schisms and all of that. That is not ours to inherit. There may be some that will fulfill that part, but that is not my part of fulfillment. My part of fulfillment is to fulfill the writings of the Holy Ghost. The acts of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament church. So now, have not I commanded thee, be thou strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Oh God. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Wherever you go. Sherry, he's with you. Everywhere you go. This is what he said. And there's one thing about God. He don't lie. He is known for telling the truth. The devil is known for being a liar and the father of lies. But this God is known for telling the truth. Amen. This is the immutability of his own counsel. He cannot lie. When he said something, he's going to do it. And he said, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Amen. I can hear him saying something to a prophet. And he says, don't fear to go anywhere or do anything. For the never failing presence of Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. He's with you wherever you go. This is the promise. I believe he's with an end time church, don't you? Now, here comes the quotation. This is as I was with Moses. He said, Joshua, the new commandment to lead an army, the second to the place where this great man like Moses stood. It was no little task. We got a great responsibility. We've been called to a high calling. And he said, I think of a minister today that is called of God to step into the tracks where Jesus stood. What a command, what a commission. But each that's called of God is commissioned to stand in that place. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the way. Each minister is called to stand where he would. The works that I do shall you do also. 
Each minister ordained of God is commanded to stand in the tracks of Jesus Christ and perform the duties that Jesus performed. That's quite a command. That's what we're commanded. Now, if only the believers of this message could understand, they are commissioned under the third pull to stand in the tracks of others, such as even William Branham, who stood in the tracks of Jesus Christ and performed the duties that Jesus performed by taking the word and putting it in their mouth and defeating the devil. We're commanded to stand there. The problem is, is we use the message to look backward. It's like trying to drive looking in a rearview mirror, and we use it for a rearview mirror. The message was not given you to, for you to look back. The message was given you for you to look forward. Are you with me? Amen. For example, uh, as, as Brother Branham said, and events made clear by prophecy, he says, um, they didn't recognize John. Why didn't those people recognize John when the Bible said by Isaiah, there'd be a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The last prophet they had, which is Malachi 3, behold, I send my messenger before my face to prepare the way. Why didn't they see him? Because they were looking upon something that had been done basing their thoughts upon a message that had went beforehand and failed to see the present manifestation of God in the day they were living. And every Christian everywhere, that's exactly where the world stands tonight. Without contradiction, that's the truth. Christians everywhere are trying to look back to some code of ethics that Mr. Luther wrote, Mr. Wesley, Sankey, Finney, Knox, Calvin, which none of us can speak evil of that. But that was a day past. Amen. And the Pharisees looked back to see what Moses said. And we have Moses. We don't know from whence thou comest. But remember, when Moses was here, they didn't know from whence he came. No wonder Jesus said, you garnish the tombs of the prophets. You're the ones that put them in there. After their message is gone, a message goes through and the people see it. They, they, they make fun of it. The world does. And then after the messenger is finished and the message is done, then they build a denomination upon the message. And there they die right there never to come to life again. So some are looking back some 50 plus years ago. And, the, and as I said, we are not using the message to look backwards. Amen. We are using it to look forward. Amen. We, we recognize that Brother Branham was only a gift within the bride. Uh, somebody's going to take offense at that, but let me say it again. He was only a gift in the bride. Amen. We don't make him separate from the bride. He was a part of the bride church. When he received the sword, the bride received the sword. Come on. Amen. Just like when Moses received Ten Commandments, it was Israel receiving Ten Commandments. When Israel was married to Jehovah, even, even when the book was opened by the Lamb, it was the bride the book was opened to. And let me tell you, friends, that all happened in the bride. And that same bride is moving onward today. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Because now it is her time to speak. It is her time to be in action. Now, so since it'll make some angry for me to say that, that we're carrying on the message and the works of William Branham, even as Elisha took the mantle of Elijah, then let me just say it this way. We'll leave that thought. Let's just go someone greater. Let's go someone greater than William Branham. Let's, let's, don't just, let's just leave a prophet behind and go to the God prophet himself. Amen. Jesus was and is greater than any prophet that was ever born. And it is an absolute fact, according to his words, that we will do greater works than he did. So if you're mad about me talking about doing greater works than William Branham, then let me just tell you, we're going to do the greater works than what Jesus did. This is what he commissioned us to do. The greatest of all prophets. Amen. Said for us to do greater works than he did. Amen. Now, again, in the Patmos vision, don't fear, John. Don't fear, little flock. All that I am, you are heir to. All my power is yours. My omnipotence is yours. As I stand in your midst, I have not come to bring fear and failure, but love, courage, and ability. (laughs) Hallelujah. All power is given unto me, and it is yours to use. You speak the word, and I will perform it. That is my covenant, and it can never fail. What am I trying to tell you this morning, church? This is adoption time. Amen. What does that mean? This is a time when sons are recognized and positioned as sons and take on the role of heir in the inheritance. Amen. The book has been unsealed. It's been handed to us for us to eat and to digest and to speak. Amen. What am I trying to tell you? It's your turn to speak. Come on. What are you going to speak? The word. Amen. What did he told? Stay with the word. Don't speak something else. Don't speak a Baptist message or Pentecostal message or Catholic message. Speak the word. Amen. Speak the word and go forward. One thing I want you to do is be bold. Be of good courage. Because I've given you this as an inheritance. It is yours. It's your time now to prophesy again. This is it. You say, well, Brother Tim, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting on, on our power and authority. No, we're not waiting on power and authority. The Bible said, Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So when you got the Holy Ghost, you received power. So, well, we're waiting for, waiting for our individual adoption, Brother Tim. And we get that adoption robe. Well, the adoption robe for the individual is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's what empowers you and gives you the authority then to use the Father's name. I'm a son. Amen. And if you have the Holy Ghost this morning, you know I am a son. And I have a right 
Jesus' name because it's a family name. Then it's my name. Hallelujah. I'm not coming in another's name. I'm coming in a family name. That's the name of Jesus Christ. I'm coming with authority, with power. Amen. To speak a word of creation. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't think it can be done? Yes, you can change the, you can, you, by creation, you can change the atmosphere in your home. You're a little creator. You can even change the atmosphere in this church. Amen. One or two of you on five for God will do more than 40 revivals. Amen. That, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. You are a creator. It's time that you start creating something besides a sleepy spirit. We are not to image the sleeping virgin. We are to image the awakened bride of people who know their God and does exploits. It's time that you put away your doldrums and realize I have been called. I have been placed. I've been elected. I've been predestinated. My name is on the Lamb's Book of Life. I am here for a reason and for a purpose. Now, devil, you got to give way because I'm putting my foot on a promise that you've been tapped upon. I'm not taking no for an answer. You've got to move because when I say to this mountain, move, you're going to move. If I say to a sycamine tree, be cast into the sea, it will be done even as I say because I'm a man of authority and I know my position. When I tell a devil to go, it's got to go. Hallelujah. When I tell sin to go, it's got to go. When I tell sickness to go, it's got to go. Whatever we say in his name, that we do. Hallelujah. Amen. Because why? We are now, we are the sons of God. Not we're going to be, but we are right now. The sons of God. Called, ordained, placed, predestinated for this time. Raise your hands and worship God. Let's understand our team. Glorify the name of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, that man might praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Faith is not believing God can. Faith is believing God will. How many believes he will this morning? Amen. Oh God, let the Holy Spirit well up in our hearts. What we say, I'm a father. You're my father. I'm your son. I've been begotten of thee. I've been called of thee. I have been placed by thee. In a position of sonship and authority. Hallelujah. Let the musician come. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song. Let's just sing a love song to him for a moment. Hallelujah. Take this covenant and say, Lord, today I betroth myself to you. I accept you as my Savior, my Lord, my bridegroom, my provider. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song. I want you to sing it to him right now. In Jesus' name. In moments like 
Oh, come on, sing it out. I sing out a song. Hey, man, come on. Lift up those feeble hands and hang down.
singing out. Singing out. You, Lord. Singing out. Singing out. I love. I love you. I love you. moment Lord giving love back to you we just want to express to you Lord how wonderful you are you did it all for us and we today say Father Father we came from you Lord we're twice yours we were yours always when the world began before it all was formed we were on your mind when you left all of heaven and came down to earth you came because we were on your mind everything you ever done was on account of your bride your people your chosen today we want to express love back to you we want to worship you we want to tell you, you mean all the world to us. That there's nobody like you. Lord, surely you're the rose of Sharon. Where your life was squeezed out to make a perfume, a sweet smelling savor for all of us. That covers up the stink of the world, the sin. Truly, Lord, you're the provider today. You're everything and more. And we just love you. We just love you, Lord, from the depths of our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can you just raise your hands to him and just just say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you that you're my savior, my healer, my provider, ever needs supply. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, God, let the church be the church. Let us be what you call us in this day, Lord. Lord, let us drop off the sham of Laodicea and walk into the light of your glory and express you in all your deity. I pray that you'll do it, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're part of that ascending church this morning. You're part of those that's rising on eagles' wings. Amen. Are you part of those that can look down upon your mountains and they're just mohills down beneath you? Are you part of those today that's realizing and recognizing the great call that they've been called to the hope of their calling 
I tell you, I believe there's a New Testament church that's rising up. I want us to sing that song. There's a New Testament church. There's a New Testament. We can preach about Daniel. We can preach about the Hebrew children. We we can even preach about things that happen in our day and our time. But there's a New Testament church that's rising up to the promise. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. There's a New Testament church. 